Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. My name is Zachary Bader-Shamai. And I'm Eddie Meredith. And man, oh man, what a week two in the OUA. Not necessarily barn burners across the board, but we learned a ton of stuff from these games, I'd say. And we're going to break down all these games for you, giving you the scores and the notable highlights, and then get into uh, some other segments we have on the OUA uh, rankings and the best sort of CIS players. You sports players. Oh. I need to go with the program there. I know. I always slip up too. Um, but before we get into all that, uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, at the 55 podcast, Facebook at the 55, SoundCloud, and big news here. This is huge. This sit is, down. Sit down and shut up. <laughs> at the 55 can now be downloaded and streamed off of Apple, Apple Podcasts. Oh my God. You had a little stroke there, just getting that out. I couldn't. It's it it it's 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 huge. This is the biggest news we've had. Yeah. It also turns out it's fairly easy to get on yeah. Apple Podcasts. Everybody's on. But please go listen to us. Subscribe. Well, and you can like it's easier to download, so you can listen to us on the go because it's a long podcast. We're long winded. We like the sound of our own voices here. So, you know, you download it, you can listen to it twice, three times. Listen to it in reverse. We have some hidden messages. <laughs> there may be satanic messages hidden in our podcast possibly yeah um but yeah we're on apple podcast now super excited go check it out you know the name it's at the 55 so should we start off with the first game that happened this week the waterloo toronto game at the beautiful toronto stadium uh let's do it um dominant win by waterloo again 41 to 18 if you didn't catch the game um and right off the bat eddie uh maybe we'll turn this into a segment eventually but you and i need to eat a nice slice of for my sake, vegan humble pie, because we were kind of joking on the last episode. If you're if you're listening to our week one review, um, we were mentioning that we were both going to be at the game, which we were, and we kind of clowned on UFT that we were probably going to be the only ones. Um, but it, honestly, it was it was, a, it was a really nice turnout. I mean, history history supports that that, does, that idea. It but. does. No, it, it absolutely does, and it, it was a week, which brings out a lot of kids. But it was a Saturday night, and I've been to a UFT game on homecoming, which. Definitely left a lot to be desired. So, you know, big ups to the UFT uh, uh, athletic community for getting people out to the game. And even late in the game when it was looking ugly, there's still people in the stands. Like, it's that's an I'll, honestly, I would go to a Friday night, Saturday night game at Varsity Stadium anytime. It's a great stadium. It's a beautiful stadium. And the uh, the weather, the atmosphere was was perfect. But the game itself, that's what we're going to talk about more. Yeah, let's so let's get the Toronto portion out of the way first because. That's the least tantalizing. It kind of starts and ends with quarterback Clay Sakira, uh, number six. He actually put up the top passing yards in the OUA for week two, uh, 31 for 47 passing with 361 yards. But what amazes me is only one touchdown. When, like One touchdown for 361 yards. Something kind of missing there for me. Um, well, a lot missing. And uh, without being too harsh, it would be the protection. <laughs> Because Clay Secura is a fast kid, and we found that out yeah. on pretty much the first passing play when he had to run for his life. He is. And he ended up being the leading rusher for the team, and if memory serves, I think only maybe one was designed. He put up 62 yards rushing, one touchdown, um, which came on a 21-yard scramble, which made pretty much every Waterloo defender on the field look stupid. I mean, partly to his credit, partly to some brutal tackling I don't know if there were backups in at that point, but backups are no backup. Backups are starters. It was just 
brutal. But I, I just want to give credit to Secure on that play. It was late in the game, probably a bit disgruntled. And he, I mean, I think the OUA put it up on their Instagram page, the highlight of it. Definitely go check it out. It's a it's a beautiful run. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, he's a, he's a very good athlete. I think the two fastest quarterbacks in our conference played in this game. Yeah. I mean, everyone would think Trey Forward would be number one, and he, he is. Yeah. Clay Sakara is probably the second fastest guy. Probably throw like maybe Theo into that mix. But yeah, definitely those two are, are definitely in the fold. Um, but once again, 47 attempts passing, and they only ran the ball eight times when you take away Clay's runs. Well, and, and even still, I think most of those were in the second half. And yeah. Three of them were goal line carries that were stuffed. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's it's not a team that can run the ball. And I think I think they have three first-year starters on their offensive line, so that's going to be the, probably the biggest factor contributing to that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, really the story of this game is the story of last week as it was in the Waterloo-Windsor game, and it's the Trey Ford-Ternowski uh, combo. Trey Ford went... 21 for 27. Once again, this kid is beyond efficient. Like, he, oh my God, 21 for 27. What, he missed like three passes last week, missing six this week, 277 yards, four touchdowns passing. And he had 70, uh, pardon me, 67 yards rushing, which is more than Sakura had as the leader, leading rusher for UFT. Man, I'm, I'm starting to drink the Kool Aid for this team. I mean, maybe Windsor and Toronto aren't the best teams out there, but. I don't know. Trey Ford kind of looks like the truth. He does. He absolutely does. And the thing about Trey Ford is he's developed as a passer. There's no doubt. But he's not looking to run every play. He's running in response to pressure or essentially the coverage being good enough downfield that he has nowhere to go with it. So in those two instances, that's when U of T would have been able to cause the opposing offense to stall their drives. In this instance, because of Trey Ford's ability to run, he extended the drives, and that showed up a lot early in the game when otherwise any other team would have probably had to punt in those situations. Now, you could say other teams might have had strength elsewhere and would have been able to do other things to get open, Sure, would have been able to run the ball more efficient, efficiently early on. But I thought the U of T defense looked pretty good. I thought they were well coached. I thought they were very scheme diverse. Yeah, a couple, a couple guys on their D-line, I noticed uh, Malcolm Campbell, Carter Gladman. I mean... Offensively, they didn't have a ton going on. No. It's true. But offensively, it was Waterloo who 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 hurt them, right? Again, like this is not a, a, a bad defense of U of T so much as it was just stressed by more threats than any other offense is going to have for them. Absolutely. And Eddie, you might laugh at me when I throw this out here because it's way too early in the season to be projecting this, but... I had a little fun looking at some OUA records and what Trey Ford has done so far this season. So indulge me here for a second. So through his first two games, he has 10 touchdowns, which if you averaged out through eight games would, let's do some math here, equal 40. Now, I'm not out here saying he's going to throw 40 passing touchdowns. That's That would be absurd. But the OUA passing touchdown record uh, first season is 24, which was set twice by two Queens quarterbacks. First, Tommy Dennison back in 03, and then Danny Brannigan in 08. So while he might not hit 40, is it that unrealistic to think that he could come close to that record? I, I mean, they don't play, they don't go, they don't go or play Ottawa, which so far, as we'll get into uh, when we break down that game, has probably shown to have one of the strongest, if not the strongest secondary in the league. And he's got a st- who a guy who looks like a star in Turnowski catching the majority of these touchdowns. I don't know. Is, is this the 
I don't think it's unrealistic, to be honest. I mean, obviously, they're not going to put up the same numbers they did against U of T and Windsor against everybody else. Sure, but yeah. I but I don't think it's unrealistic for them to put up numbers that put them on pace mm. to get to somewhere very near those records. Yeah. And speaking of uh, Mr. Tyler Ternowski, <laughs> which that's my little Monster Zinc impression there. That's that's uh, that's very niche. I'm, uh, <laughs> Well, either way, he cooled down from his first game against Windsor. But when I say cooled down, we have to remember that he put up a monstrosity of a game because he finished this game with 106 yards and two touchdowns, which then when you kind of factor in all the other production that Trey Ford put up, means that some of the other receivers did some stuff this week. You know, you had, who was it? Mike Kernick, or sorry, Mitch Kernick had two touchdowns of his own. Gordon Lamb, 86 yards, so maybe they were listening into uh, our week one podcast and decided to, you know, share share the load a little bit more. Who knows? Yeah, and they had a little more success on the ground as well with Deion Pellerin having uh, 12 rushes for 72 yards. More of that did come later in the game. The run game was a, a little bit stifled early. I mean, it wasn't ineffective. It just wasn't, uh, it wasn't dominant, and I expect, you know, with that offensive line for it to be dominant. Uh, and then, you know, Brandon Metz had 55 yards on seven carries. And we mentioned Trey Ford having uh, 67 yards on on four attempts. One or two of those being designed. I think I think he carried more than four times, though. That, 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 that seems incorrect on the stat sheet because he had, on the first few drives, as I mentioned, he had a few plays where he extended the play with his mm-hmm. legs and, and ended up picking up those extra yards. Uh, but, I mean, overall, a very efficient game from Waterloo's offense. Yeah. And go, if I can go back to Ternowski for a second and uh, play the same game that I did with Ford a second ago, he's now at six touchdowns for the season, which, as one would guess at this point, would be leading the OUA as it is. And the 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 all-time record for receiving touchdowns in a, in a season is tied at 13 by uh, Potasic. Back in 94 when he played on Laurier. Steph. And uh, Craig Spear for Queens back in 03, who I assume caught most of those from Denison's 24 he threw. So here's my question to you. If one of these guys were to, I mean, it goes hand in hand. If your quarterback's going to throw a bunch of touchdowns, you know, probably his star receiver is going to receive a bunch of those. But if based on where they are right now, Trey Ford at 10, needing to get 24 to tie, 25 and above to break. Ternowski being at six, needing to get 13, 14 or more to break. Who do you think? And we're, you know, we're just playing. Uh, this is just a stupid game on our part. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. What do you th- what would you think is more likely? Tyler Ternowski. This yeah. is a very veteran guy. I think he's the most dynamic slot receiver in this league. And there's something about him, just the way he plays. And it's not that there isn't anything about Trey Ford because he's, he's incredible yeah. too. But Ternowski scores a touchdown. He's not running around celebrating he's back to the sideline he takes a knee he's all business mm. this is the guy who is his eyes on the prize and that prize is being you know the most productive receiver in the OUA if not the very best because Curly Giddens is pretty special yeah. but but like those two being one and two doesn't seem like that's no disrespect if you say you're two to KGJ well I think someone's going to look very smart for bringing Tyler Ternowski mm. into a CFL camp next year and before we move, oh, two things before we move on. One, I think we got to give a shout out. We talk a lot about the offensive guys um, for this Waterloo team because obviously it's one of the most explosive ones in the conference. Um, but Jack Hinsberger, a linebacker for uh, Waterloo, five solos, one and a half sacks, 
three tackles, four loss, a big game from the linebacker for Waterloo. Um, three and a half tackles for a loss. Yeah. That's impressive. Well, um, two we, tackles for a loss and a sack and a half. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, so big game for um, for um, Hinsberger there. Yeah, and they sent those linebackers on a lot of blitzes. Like, it was impressive to watch Sakira uh, get away from pressure in the mm-hmm. pocket because they were sending their guys every other play, pretty much. It was yeah. it was, it was was pretty wild, and they were very physical coming up the gut. Mm-hmm. Jack Hinsberger, obviously the brother of Devin Hinsberger, uh, another linebacker for Waterloo, and a first-year player, kid who was in the States last year. Very, very heralded recruit. I did not know that. There, now you know. And so uh, he's... He's someone they expected to be a very good player mm-hmm. for them. I also wanted to say Shaq Seeley had a really beautiful pass breakup on a on a wonderful Clay Secura deep bomb. It was like 50-plus yards in the air down yeah. the, the far sideline, and Shaq Seeley just came across and disrupted that beautifully. So, no, I, there, there's a lot of good on this team. They obviously have a ways to go, and I think, you know, like I'm not really a coverage guy, but it looks like they simplified some things from last game to this game to try to make it a little easier so their guys can just react. Obviously, they have – it's actually a more veteran secondary than than you would think. Uh, it's a young defense overall. But they also have a kid named uh, Deshaun Jupiter-Dean, who's a, a first-year player working in with them. So there's there's a lot of a lot of room to grow for this team defensively. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm excited to see them grow. For sure. And they, they've gone up against – what look like two of the top quarterbacks or just two very strong quarterbacks so far. The conference is deep with quarterbacks the, this year. I don't know where this came from. I mean, not to say there haven't been great quarterbacks in the OUA, but yeah. consistently amongst teams, um, it's fantastic. Yeah, well, I mean, Sam Girard, and we'll talk about it more later, but just mm. Waterloo's two tests so far have been quarterbacks who, you know, I was I was very impressed with Sam Girard against Carlton, at least in the first half where he just he he carved them up. So... I'm still uh, unsure about the pronunciation because in the broadcast they were saying Gerard, but then I was texting back and forth with. It's just about how pretentious you want to be. Yeah, and we're very pretentious as here. As much as you can go, dial but, it to ten. But I was, I was, I was t- dial it to fifty-five, baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I know I was texting with Matt Nesbitt, uh, who's the quarterback coach and uh, offense coordinator at Windsor. After we had put out our first podcast, and he made no note that maybe we were mispronouncing his quarterback's name. So I don't know if he was just trying to be nice to us or... If you've got a name like Gerard, you're used to it being said yeah. Gerard or Gerard. It's Maybe we'll just flip-flop. Maybe we'll actually do some research, find out. I don't know. But the last thing I want to touch on before we move off this game um, was if you were at this game or watching, you may have seen the uh, the largest person on the Waterloo sideline wasn't some star recruit they found out of like a jungle somewhere or out of a cave it was our own eddie meredith um what was it talk to me about the uh what the vibe was on the sideline yeah so i was invited to the sideline by coach pertoya because he was my offensive line coach at western and i was really excited to see what it felt like because this is a team that obviously has had a massive culture change in the last few years i went into it with really no expectations but what i what i found was a very calm confident sideline and that's easy when you're winning games, which they are now, and they're now expected to win games. But this was a confident sideline. This was also a sideline that clearly they haven't gotten used to watching Trey Ford do his thing yet. <laughs> because they were just as excited as I was watching this kid yeah. do incredible things physically, running around and making people look silly. One other thing I wanted to mention was uh, if you watched Waterloo last year, you saw that they, what they did with their quarterbacks was they used Trey Ford and Lucas McConnell. Lucas McConnell was the starter, 
and he looked very good. To be honest, I thought Lucas McConnell would continue to be the starter this year, and they would do the same thing with Trey Ford, where they would bring him bring him in for a bunch of packages, probably go more 50-50. They ended up going with Trey Ford as the starter, the, the full-time starter. Lucas McConnell had some plays very, very late in the game, but it was garbage time. But this isn't a guy who's bitter. This is a guy who wants to win, who is so happy to help his team win, and I'm sure he'd love to play more. But he's so happy to help his team win and be a part of a winning program at Waterloo that in his fifth year, he came back to be a true backup. And this wasn't something that was sprung on him, as I'm led to believe, in training camp. This was something he knew might be coming because Trey Ford is such a transcendent talent. So, I mean, that's that's a guy who was conversing with Trey when he was coming off the field, helping him with reads, talking to the receivers, being upbeat. Just a good leader, like a great leader. veteran leader yeah. that any program would be thrilled to have, mm-hmm. and I was I was really impressed because I know that that, that could be a tough situation to be in. So just wanted to call attention to that and uh, and just say, yeah, that's that's a great thing to have. Well, I mean, it sounds like they got a good thing going right now. Um, they'll be at home taking on Carlton next week, and that'll be a game I think that's going to be really telling up some stuff going on. Um, Toronto will be taking on Queens, but. Another great showing for the Waterloo Warriors and uh, not to play any favorites here, aside from the fact that Guelph is my favorite, of course, and that Western, <laughs> I assume, is yours. But right Waterloo you is is low-key becoming like a team that I am loving watching. So They're incredibly watchable, yeah. and we'll be talking about them more than we should, perhaps, <laughs> for the rest of the season. I'm drinking the Warrior Kool-Aid. Let's go. So moving from a game which showcased some great quarterback play from both sides of the ball, to a game that had uh, maybe not the best quarterback play. Maybe not. Four quarterbacks played. We're talking, <laughs> yeah, that's usually not a good thing. We're talking about the Ottawa Mac game, uh, a game that Ottawa took 18 to 11 in Ottawa, which obviously, as we talked about um, ad nauseum in our first episode, is a huge X factor. Um, but, Eddie, what did you see in this game? Well, so. <laughs> uh, a brief appearance from uh, a friendly monsoon. In yeah, the that, uh, the early goings, in the, sec- yeah. in the second quarter, it was wild. It was it was raining practically sideways. It was coming down so hard. Uh, so obviously, that's not going to help quarterback play. But when four quarterbacks play and there were no injuries, mm. that tells you something. And I, four quarterbacks between the two teams, not yeah. <laughs> neither team dressed for themselves, um, and zero by the other team. <laughs> yeah. So Jackson White had the start for McMaster and uh, Alex Laverick for Ottawa. No surprises there. The week one starters. The week one starters. Jackson White, the guy I dubbed the OUA's Big Ben. You did. I'm <laughs> sticking with it too. Big Ben had bad games too. Yeah. Um, Jackson and the receivers were just not on the same page in this first half. And and the rain definitely played a part. There's no doubt. But he he had a pick that was like five yards away from any receiver. You know, it was sort of a pick to no one. That was Jamie Harry's interception. Yeah. But that wasn't some exquisite play on the ball. That was just Jamie Harry following the ball to the middle of nowhere because yeah. Jackson has sort of thrown it to nobody. So that those happen, right? Again, still early going. Maybe the ball slipped on him. Maybe it was wet. Didn't seem like it was the most open receiver to target. But those things happen. Mm. Through the rest of the first half, not much else good going on there. If you look at the box score, you can sort of get a sense for how Jackson's day went. 
He was 7 of 13 for 63 yards and two interceptions. One of those interceptions, the second one, was a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. So mm. that doesn't really count. He but, threw two picks, but only one of them was sort of a true pick. The, the second one, as I mentioned, is, you know, with two seconds left, sure. throwing it deep. It was a heave and a prayer, yeah. and well, that prayer was not answered. Well, I mean, you mix bad weather and Ottawa's secondary together, and that's not going to bode well for many quarterbacks in this league. I mean, we sort of alluded to the fact that already the Ottawa's secondary is really nice. Obviously, Jamie Harry, you know, despite whether that pick was a gimme or not, a stud in this league. Uh, Cranston had a pick as well. Um so I mean, just a, uh, as did as did uh, Luke Grease, yeah, uh, their safety, yeah. So I, it's it's a it's a secondary that probably at this point in the year, yeah, is, is probably the top in the league. And it feels like year in year out during that conversation. Yeah. And uh, this year is no different. So yeah, they were they were a problem for the quarterbacks. Mm. There's no doubt about it. But as we said, that wasn't the only quarterback controversy of the day. No, that's true. So Alex Laverick, the starter for Ottawa, who played for them last year uh, as a, as a true freshman. Also didn't look very good. No. And uh, McMaster's another secondary we know can have that effect on receivers. Yeah. Laverick, 6 for 15, threw a pick of his own. Uh, I'm trying to remember that. Noah Hallett picked it off. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of their halves. He's a very good player. Uh, Yeah, no, it was sort of a nondescript game from Laverick. I mean, just neither of these quarterbacks looked any good. So maybe maybe the, the commonality here was the rain. But that offense sparked in the second half when they bought brought Sawyer uh, mm. Butner in. So, yeah. I mean, I think I think they're both of these teams have to have a look at their quarterback situation. Butner looks like he will be the starter next week, if I'm guessing, because mm. he had two touchdowns as well. Andreas Duick when he came in in the second half for McMaster. Andreas Duick came in and had a decent game, uh, but but Butner actually looked great. But if we're looking offensively for both these teams, I mean, the first half of this game was just riddled with classic Canadian football scores. Like, I don't remember them exactly, but like 4-2, 6-4, you know, just like classic scores you'll see in a Canadian football game. Um, but, you know, for both teams offensively, what really the saving grace was the play of the running backs for both these teams. I agree entirely. It's one of the first times in a long time I can remember saying, oh, wow, that McMaster run game sure looks a lot better than the past yeah. game. Yeah, well, I mean, this is now two weeks in a row. I mean, Jordan Lyons, um, who we're talking about here, uh, week one at, um, against Guelph, I don't have this, I don't remember his stats offhand, but was definitely, you know, once again, White didn't have the best game in that one, and Lyons was definitely helping them move the ball down the field when they needed to to score. And in this game, put up 168 yards. On 24 attempts, you know, he's a bruiser. He is, and he was running people over. Like, yeah. this was a game. This wasn't just sort of he was getting what was blocked for him. He was getting yeah. more. He, he, was running, he was running people over. Not Jamie Harry, though. On his, He had the one big run he had. It was like 38 yards or something. And then Harry coming, like, from across the field, takes him down like it was nothing. Like, I am, oh, man, he's, he is good. Good. And on, on, on a previous run, on another sort of longer run that uh, the Lions had had, Lions went to give Harry the stiff arm, and Harry just swatted his arm down, and Lions no, went straight no, into no. the So that's a nice matchup. Yeah. That was that was fun to watch. Obviously, you know, he's a really, really good player. So, mm. And I thought this this Ottawa 
run defense looked better than it did against Laurier. I thought they were better in their gaps, mm. and uh, they looked stout. Like it's a pretty big defensive line, right? And, yeah. And fast linebackers. Rashad Spooner was all over the field. They they looked. This Ottawa team looks good. They they look like a better team than I'd given them credit for week one. Yeah. And and when we talk about the run game for them, um, Bryce Vieira. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that name right. You got it. That's Bryce it. Bryce Vieira, beautiful. Um, combined 208 yards rushing receiving. Of course, that's a little padded by the touchdown, which ended up being the determining uh, touchdown in this game. The one-handed play on a you know trap motion on a on a play action play he makes a one-handed catch and what okay what was what was a worse display of attempts tackling by defense Waterloo on Secure's touchdown late or Mac trying to take down Vieira on that play both very bad but I have to give it to the Secure Waterloo game oh, because okay. that was pathetic that was that bad was, no and it happens it happens you know yeah. you think you think someone's got him so you slow down and then you sort of throw at him and you miss but no this this was more in my opinion Vieira being brilliant mm. than the opposing team missing easy easy tackles I mean they did miss easy tackles they should have rallied better but this was Vieira being you know an incredible player and having that sort of that level of virtuosity that very few backs have in this league yeah I mean it was a it was a 61 yarder I believe um yeah, give him the credit. I mean, I don't remember who it was for Mac, and well, it was half know, the team that made well, this. Yeah. Well, one, I think the first guy. I don't remember who it was, and you know, we're not here to call people out. It looked like he went for went for the strip first, but you're first. You're the first guy in that. It's a tie game. Like, wrap this man up. I mean, what? Whatever. I don't. I don't know anything about defense, but either way, that was a backbreaking play. That was. But you know what? What's funny is so he looked very good as a receiver. Bryce Fierro did, and they played him a lot as a W. All those receptions that he had uh well actually he didn't have all that many but he had four for 100 yards 61 of those coming on one play those other receptions were at least two of those were as a w mm. playing out motioned out and he's a very good receiver very versatile his rushing stat line and he's a great running back his rushing stat line is a little misleading a lot of that came in the first quarter uh not misleading i guess because it's not as though he had one run that that skewed sure. the stat line enormously but a lot of that came in the first quarter, and then he settled down for quite a while. Mm. Uh, and and it was his play as a receiver that broke the game open for them, mm. because this is um, a better offensive line than I thought they would have. But still, you wouldn't say they were elite. I mean, they're starting a first year left tackle. They have a couple of second year guys on the interior, uh, a fifth year guard, and a fourth year right tackle who I think is is quite good. Thomas Rollins, the right tackle. But Vieira, I mean, he didn't have. A ton of room to run. So what he did do, I thought, was impressive. And A, f- uh, a 5.4 average, I mean, on 17 attempts, I'll take that. I mean, sure. Yeah. Sure. But, you know, the one, and we 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 talked about this a lot week one uh, in our week one podcast. But, you know, it really uh, comes to light with Mac dropping this game is how big that one point win at home against Guelph was for them because mm-hmm. their schedule gets no easy as they're going into the – what do you what do you guys call like your stadium in West? I mean, I know it's TD Stable. You know, I was gonna say like the Lions Den, but you guys are friggin' Mustangs. Like the, the I love the, the stable. stable. I yeah. love the racetrack. <laughs> I have no idea. They're going, yeah, but um, because you know Mac Western, you know Western is the better team on paper. I think most teams would probably pick them in this matchup. You know, a classic matchup where it's a bit of a wild card just because the history of the two teams, but. 
you know, just just the point being that them securing that week one win at home is huge because I don't have the whole schedule in front of me right here, but from what I remember with Mac is the start of their season is just a gauntlet bit easier towards the end of the of the year. I'm pulling it up right now. Um, so they got Western next week, then Toronto, then home for Laurier, which, you know, at least it's a home game. But once again, on paper, and at this point in the season, I'm picking Laurier then. Then Queens Waterloo wins there to finish up the season, which, you know what? Realistically, I thought that was an easier end of the season when I first looked at it going into the year. Man, Max got a tough schedule this year. They do. They do. And I mean, I think it's always tough when you have to go to Ottawa, especially with a young team. And again, Mac does have a very young team. It's worth reiterating that they are one of the youngest teams, if not the youngest team in the OUA, which sounds odd, I know. But you look at their offense, plenty of their receivers are in their first year. This is an offensive line that has one starter with a ton of experience. We're seeing that a lot, eh? A lot of young offensive lines. A lot of young offensive yeah. lines. But this is this is the one young offensive line at a elite program, mm-hmm. at a at a big time program, right? It's not surprising to see a young offensive line at Windsor or Toronto. Sure, uh, it's a little more surprising to see it at Mac. But I mean, it, that just happens. There also there aren't any. Well, there's one first year who's dressing for McMaster. That's Brad Curell. He's a very very good prospect. But other than that, it's not. These are you know mostly a lot of them. They're second year guys, one third year guy. All the same, this McMaster game, the the tail of the tape, something that can get lost in the shuffle is how many bad turnovers there were. So Jackson White had the, the early interception, which was brutal. The second interception, which I'm not going to give him shit for because, I mean, again, yeah, last second of the half, throwing it all the way, you know, as deep as you can, yeah. throws a pick, whatever that happens. But there were a couple of really bad fumbles by McMaster that I, I mean, I... Fumbles feel like they're more controllable than interceptions. And two of those fumbles were lost. The first by Jordan Lyons and then recovered by Jamie Harry, the outstanding DB on Ottawa. And that was a fumble that it didn't look great. It looked even worse because from where I was seated, which was behind a screen, (laughs) it looked like he had plenty of room to break to the outside and gain 20 yards instead of fumbling it after a a short gain. And he's a guy that we definitely would attribute as more of a bruiser, dirty yards kind of runner than a pure speed kind of guy so i mean it makes well he's pretty well balanced right he, I mean, he can do it all no you know, I, yeah no for but sure i agree he's good between the tackles so which that you was, think would mean that he's got definitely good got security. that good yeah which i mean i mean i think typically he does but sure. that was uh, a fumble that he had that was bad and the other one was by i believe uh tyson middlemost one of their receivers running out of bounds just not having good ball security and it was stripped from the uh from from behind i forget who it was who stripped him yeah, that's definitely something you see not necessarily often, but frequently with a receiver kind of thinking he just has the, you know, he he's he's there out of bounds and just a nice hustle play by someone on the defense to be like, nope. Well, I, and that's I what it was. Yeah. And, and in a game that was largely a field position battle mm-hmm. at times, those are very costly because that's, that's an enormous amount of field position you're giving up. And with bad weather and, of course, with the Canadian game being last touched out of bounds, getting the ball, I mean, that's a killer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... That that's that's tough. I think if Mac cleans up their ball security issues, they might have won that game, and they'll win games in the future if they just stop turning the ball over at that pace. So, not something you can do and expect to win. You know, as as always said in the locker rooms, if you win the turnover battle, you typically win the game, mm. and if you lose the turnover battle by two, as they did, you're definitely not winning. So, 
that was that was the biggest thing I noticed in this game. And uh, we'll we'll have to you know we'll wait and see because if if both of those quarterbacks who ended these games get the start in the next game, that'll be something to watch. I expect Jackson will probably remain the starter in McMaster. But Sawyer Butner is a guy who, you know, he was a really big recruit they brought in from Saskatchewan. I think they want to play him. But Laverick obviously had that job from last year. So we'll keep you updated on what Ottawa is doing. Yeah, we'll definitely see how these two teams progress. Uh, next week, Ottawa is going to still be at home taking on Guelph. And uh, Mac, as we said, going to play Western. So not an easy task for either. Big win for Ottawa. Um, so let's move on. Sure. Why yeah. not? Let's, um, so another moment where we sh- need to eat a slice of humble pie, perhaps, because the game, if you were listening to our first week episode, uh, we took our game, what we called our game of the weeks, our games of the week, um, being the Mac Guelph and the Western Carlton game. We put them at the end of the segment to really let them breathe, give them their space, uh, give them their due. The game we called for our game of the week this week turned into a stinker. Oh really boy, quick. did we blow it. <laughs> we blew it. So it was Laurier Queens and not a whole lot to say from this other than Laurier looks like they might be legit. Yeah, I mean, if I didn't know any better right now, I would say Laurier is the best team in the league. <laughs> Fortunately, I do. I remember what, what Western did to them last year and mm. what they did to everybody on en route to their Vanier Cup victory. But if I didn't know any better, and obviously with a smaller sample size from Western, I would say Laurier is the better team. So They are so well-rounded. They oh are. Oh, my god, They are. And, I mean, if you watch this game, the score doesn't even do it justice. No. It really doesn't because Laurier scored on all of their drives in the first half. At least their first four they scored. They went four for – yeah, four for four. And in that time, Queens had a two and out, a two and out, one good drive, and then more two and outs. What does this say more to you about where Laurier's at or where Queens is at? Because for me, you know, we just finished talking about Ottawa. Ottawa had more success offensively, not by a large margin, but more, more, but more success nonetheless. Um, going to Laurier in Week One than Queens did this past week at home. Laurier traveling to their barn. I mean, and we talked about Hobbs. How you know he's this veteran quarterback, the offensive brain trust for Queens. He got you got to do better than that. So I mean, is this is this Laurier's defense starting to um, answer some of those questions that we might have had with some of the missing pieces, or is this maybe Queens just really? Well, obviously the the the, the bad part is it's it's both. You know what you can't answer sure. the, the question yeah. in absolutes. But I would say right now it it tells me more about where Laurier is at as a team. They are very ready to go for the season. They didn't need any time to to get into the swing of things. They're 100% ready. They're clicking offensively. They're clicking defensively. And playing York can hide some of your, you know, if you're you're a little rusty still, if you're still working in new offensive and defensive systems, playing York can hide that a little bit. And I think it did for Queens. And so Queens, I think, is still figuring out their system. I sure hope they are because – that did not look good. That looked very, very bad. I mean, they still have the weapons. I mean, Osikusi at receiver, still a very good wreck out there. And, I mean, Nate Hobbs, I mean, 20 for 40, 217 yards, and that was playing the whole game. Like, they didn't take him out even when it went ugly. I mean, he 
he showed off his arm on a few plays. I remember one in particular, I think it was late in the second or early third, from like the near hash through like a deep out to the opposite sideline. I just, I don't even think it was a complete pass, but I was just sitting there being like, damn. No, it was, it was. Oh, I, rem- I remember that one. It did actually yeah. get completed. And like we know Nate Hobbs has the tools physically. And we know he's a good quarterback. Yeah. But his receivers just typically weren't very open. I mean, Laurier had great coverage. They're young guys that they brought along. They moved over the defense, filling in the holes from last year with those was you know, the two major defensive back losses in uh, Anyeka and uh, Guziak Messam. They look good. They they don't look like they've lost many steps there. No, and they'd have every right to look like they've lost steps there. So Queens did not look good. They have time, but we're not kicking dirt on their grave yet. Yeah. They have time. But what this shows to me is Laurier is, I mean, they're this, looking to have a perfect record going into that that final week showdown against Preston. Oh, it's going to be a good one. It's, that's, oh, that, man. That will. I mean, that's likely the game that will determine first seed in mm-hmm. the conference. So, But not and um, you know, not, not to blow by this game as if nothing happened because uh, um, Arndt had a brilliant game for the time he was in because – he ended up coming out early in the fourth, 24, uh, 24 for 30, 310 yards, three touchdowns, 43 uh, on the ground himself. Um, and, you know, those 43 really showed off his scrambling ability at times. We talked about week one that he is mobile, um, but was able to get himself out of a few jams and and, and move the ball downfield. Um, yeah, great outing. I mean, he was just fire on all cylinders. Yeah, and I mean, he's got the full complement of receivers. Brendan McCracken, one of their top receivers is still out but they have curly giddens jr who everybody knows about yeah he's yeah. and, and brenton hall those are very good players so i mean it, that's a nice looking team and s and hamilton had that 75 yard yeah, touchdown run beauty. late in the game from spinella who was in in relief of uh tristan and that's just looking at the passing game like their run game is probably one of the top three in the league right now um well i would i would say guelph is number one yeah and so two and three is some combination of them, McMaster, and probably Western yeah. at present. So, we'll, yeah. well, I mean, that, that'll that be fluid. Um, and KGJ, as I'm going to still keep calling him because I'm hoping it picks up eventually. So I felt somehow had like a quiet 178 and a touchdown. Like, he, he, I guess this is one of those things where he's so good that you almost come to expect these. Where like, I, you know, he didn't necessarily blow me away watching the game. And I was like, oh, yeah, 178 touchdown. That seems about right. Like, he's just, it's crazy. Just a, how game. Ha- just a game just, for him. Yeah, just, you know, it's it's it's, it's wild how it happens. Um, well, there's a reason he won the most outstanding player in the conference last year. Yeah. And he's, he is he is that good. So he can he can absolutely have a game that's better than any other receiver and, and make that look quiet. Yeah. And you know it's bad. I, I, noted, I, I, took, I noted this late in the game. You know it's bad when the home commentator starts to take solace in the fact that your team's at least winning the penalty battle. And I'm not trying to make fun of the guy. I forget his name. He did a great job on the broadcast. He was by himself. But, like, that's that's never a good sign when you're saying, well, you know, Laurier with 15 penalties. Queens only had eight. I mean, sure, penalties matter a heck of a lot, but not when you're losing by almost 30. Well, and, and there were a few games where the penalty flags were seriously flying, and this was one of them. And even that couldn't slow down Laurier's offense. No. I mean, that, that might have been the reason why they had a couple of field goals instead of touchdowns on some of those early drives. But 
they were their own worst enemy. They were the only thing that was going to stop their own offense, and even they couldn't end up stopping themselves. Well, talking about a lot of penalties, I think that transitioned us ni- nicely into the Guelph-York game. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, first and foremost, for this game, I think we need to give a huge round of applause to uh, the Lions pivot, Brett Hunchak. He's now officially York's all-time leader in completions as well as passing yards. Um, so big ups to him. I mean, you know, people make fun of you can people can make fun of York as a as a team as much as they want, but I, that's that's a huge accomplishment. I mean, yeah, you, I agree. You can't take it. I agree. From that. I mean, the only thing is, there's a chance that it's it's miscalculated because there was a a trick play where the oh, ball the was flea flick. Yeah, the ball was actually thrown by uh by Colton Hunchak. True. Oh, it was a Colton? Yeah, yeah, it was, and it was that was a fifty-yard pass or something well, like that. Well, some combination of people named Hunchak now add up to the all-time passing uh, completion and yards for York. So, got to hand it up to them. And he had a he, uh, not as good as his first outing, thirty-one for forty-three. Clearly, they're sticking with the same formula of you know live by the pass and then and dying by the pass. Three hundred thirteen yards, one TD, two picks, which really turned the game around in the second half, but. Looking at this first half of the game, it was a close ball game, probably mostly due to Guelph racking up, I think I counted like maybe six, seven penalties, five coming on one drive. Like that was that was brutal. Oh yeah, this was another game where yeah, Guelph had fifteen penalties. Fifteen, and yeah. Most of those were in the first half. And it was it was bad. It was really bad. Like it was it was pathetic. The only consistent thing for Guelph in this game, and what I mean, the defense had a very strong outing. But their run game, I mean, that their offensive line was playing with York at times. I mean, you know, guys like Coulter, there was, I remember one play, uh, Coulter Woodmansey, right guard for them, just took, I think it was their defense. I think it was whoever was lined up across him on the defensive line. By the end of the play, they were like five, seven yards downfield with Coulter just throwing him, uh, you know, the whole offensive line had a good game. Across the board. And once again, no Andy McFalls, the guy we expected him to be playing at left tackle in the absence of Jalen Guthrie. So we had LaPointe filling in again. And as you'd expect with a rookie, just looking even better than he did in his first game. Um, across the board, really solid. One point to bring up about uh, their their senior or their fifth-year center, Colin Jerome. Uh, he was listening to the podcast when I, I gave him a little shout-out for his strength and he just he wanted me to he, he he wanted to correct me that he's not the strong he's not just the strongest player on the Griffins he claims to be the strongest in the whole OUA so if you play for Queens if you play for Ottawa you play for anyone not named the Griffins if you want to contest this we got to set something up because that would be so cool I mean obviously there's the combines that come up but anyways just thought I'd, sh- I'd uh, throw that out there uh Colin, you're going to give me something juicy like that. You know I'm going to put it on the podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, he shows off his strength regularly. He's obviously a tough kid because he's he's in there grinding on the inside of every game and hitting people very hard and racking up some penalty yardage as he did as, this yeah. game. So he was a part of that. The problem early on in terms of penalties, although, you know, I never mind it when your offensive line takes a penalty or two in terms of being aggressive. But it's the best offensive line in the league right now. We'll see where they end up at the end of the year. I expect them to be the best at the end of the year also. Well, they're only going to get better, uh, assuming if, if, if they don't lose anyone, they're only going to get better with guys coming back. And knock on wood. The offensive line was the start of the game. They took over this game in the second half. 
I mean, not that they were ineffective in the first half, but Guelph was sort of trying to find their footing offensively, what they were going to do. And and York, to their credit, kept it close. In the second half, Guelph just started running over them. Well, there was times where it almost felt like Guelph would have just had more success saying, let's play three-down football and run it every play. Because they were getting four or five yards of carry easy. Like, you could – I mean – I, I say that half kidding, but it almost seemed like a realistic possibility where they could have just been like, yeah, let's, we're just going to run. <laughs> Sorry. like, Well, yeah, no. And I mean, when you have – when you average 5.7 yards per rushing attempt on 44 attempts, mm-hmm. that sort of shows that you can impose your will. But talking about this run game for Guelph, it wasn't just the offensive line that dominated. Well, it was, but it was a rookie running back uh, leading the way from the for them but unlike week one where it was rookie Kwame Osi leading it it was Juwan Jeffrey who stole the show uh 18 attempts 129 yards I mean where are all these backs coming from the perpetual motion machine that is the Guelph recruiting machinery is 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 incredible every year bringing in good guys and this year yeah two or three running backs who we're gonna have to keep our eye on it I guess it it, it, it would only you know, logically makes sense that next week Simonkinda is going to have his breakout week now. Because I know, guess so, it, or or maybe someone on the roster who isn't in year one. Who knows? Maybe, who knows? Um, but tight first half, and I think what what really separated the two teams in the second half was opening on York's opening drive. Uh, Joe Brinehart with the pick six, not job to uh, the commentators from that game. Job, I know it's tricky, but the pick six, and then on the next possession. Another pick, this time to Akeem Knowles, Toronto boy. Love to see him having uh, success out there. And it was really at that point that it just snowballed for Guelph. Well, yeah. And I mean, Guelph Guelph, Guelph at that point had won the game because York could not get consistently going on their drives. They couldn't really run the ball. And I thought Brett Hunchak did a pretty good job throwing it. But, I mean, he couldn't really get Colton all that involved. So, mm-hmm. you know, if they can't get Colton involved in the passing game, they're not going to have a great day. And also, you know, consider that the the York touchdown that ended the first half was a Guelph fumble that York recovered, and then they threw that trick play in the next play, which was, you know, the backwards pass to Colton Hunchak, which he then heaved up to uh, Luther, and I'm not going to really try his last name. It's, <laughs> it's hard, it's long, it's like Hakuna Vanfu or something, so... That is as close as it's going to get. Luther Hakuna Matata. Oh, boy. That's brutal. Anyways, yeah, yeah. that was brutal. So, <laughs> But exactly. So the York game was close. In fact, York led it half because that pass got them down to the one-yard line and they plunged in for the one-yard touchdown the next play or two plays later, whatever it was. But after those two picks to start the first half, the game it was, was done. The game was yeah. over. So... Guelph just pounded the ball, ended the game, and uh, averted you know what what would have been a, a very oh very gosh. bad loss. Yeah, that would have been that would have been disastrous. Um, and a nice bounce back game uh, for Gabe Ferraro, who uh, I, I think I screwed it up in the week one podcast. I think he was two for five against Mac, but four for four on field goals. You know, three for three on his extra points. Had six punts. With three inside the 20 and one that I think bounced out like at the two. Just like the definition of a coffin corner. I mean, he's we expect him to be great. Um, 
but it was, it was a beautiful thing watching him kick in that game for sure. And uh, was, and there was there yeah. was a lot of wins. So both of these punters, kickers, Mastro Giuseppe and Ferraro had, you know, had took turns kicking into yeah. to positive and negative wins. So yeah, they uh, no, they both looked good. And, and yeah, Ferraro had a really great day. Mm. Um, so Guelph next week traveling to Ottawa, and York is playing going to be playing Windsor on a Friday night here in Toronto. Now, just let's take a moment to just have a look at that schedule. Yeah. I know, Eddie, you have some issues with the OUA scheduling. I do. I do. And and so, first of all, having a game on a Monday, which Windsor and York did, and then playing on the next Friday, that's unacceptable. Especially when you take into account the fact that Windsor probably has to then leave. I mean, well, maybe they'll do a day of. It's a night game, so maybe they can pull off the day of travel, but... You'd hope that they would be go- taking an extra day, but who knows? Well, traveling sucks. I mean, there's a reason. Uh, I-, I spent a year in the CFL, and there's a reason you don't travel on game day to any games. Yeah. Sometimes you'll travel the day before to a game if it's a short travel, if it's a short hop, you know, hour and a half flight. Traveling on the day of a game sucks. Traveling the day before a game also sucks if it's a long, <laughs> if it's a long day of traveling. Yeah. Because your, your body's not going to be right. And also it poses challenges to kids who are – Maybe not great at handling the change up in routine that comes with traveling, but and especially now that the school year is actually starting, like we, you know, this is obviously all about the football season. But we're, you know, we're not talking about CFLers; we're talking about student athletes here. I mean, yeah. Well, but so, but going back to the Windsor York game on Friday, having three days in between games—Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That that's ridiculous. And in the NFL, yes, in the NFL they do have sometimes four day breaks or three day breaks, where they'll have a game on Sunday and then have to play that that following Thursday. And the C- CFLPA, sorry, the CFLPA, the <laughs> NFLPA hates it. Yeah, but they they do allow it. They allowed it in the previous negotiation, and they've allowed it before. Not to mention it the- makes a lot of money. And there's but- very little money at play here. There's no reason to be doing this yeah. to kids. And, and and going back to the NFL, not to mention that most of those Thursday night games suck. They do. They suck. <laughs> and that's when a lot of injuries happen. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and then talking about travel, I mean, we kind of um, – the last game we're going to get into here, um, the Carlton-Windsor game, and we already talked about how that's the largest you know uh, travel for any team. And it's not getting easier for Carlton. No, because they have, to, they have to drive back to Ottawa, have a few days, and then – Drive to Waterloo. So that's a ton of travel for Carlton on another short week. Not as short as the Windsor-York week, yeah, but only one day longer. So that's tough. I mean, Carlton's going to be facing a lot of adversity, and that that really just – I don't know why they've done this, the OUA. I, I think in order to have played games on any day other than Monday this week, you had to get a waiver, as I understand it. So a lot of teams asked to play on Saturday or Sunday. Mm. Well, the nice thing, the way the game, like the only good thing about the games, how they were scheduled this week, was that you had Toronto, uh, Waterloo Saturday night. Then you had the afternoon on Sunday, Ottawa Mac. Then you had the later afternoon on Sunday, Guelph York. And then you had on Monday, you had, or wait, no, I'm sorry, I missed one there. Or no. You got it. Yeah. And then you got it. Right. <laughs> then Monday you had the uh or no, I'm forgetting about the uh I, I missed the, the Laurie Queens game. The point I'm getting at, all the games were nicely spaced. You could watch each one. You didn't have to flip 
have a laptop open one place, a desktop another place, like my setup was for week one, trying to watch a couple of these games at the same time. In that regard, it was nice, but yeah, the tr- for tr- but also also after this weekend, we're not going to see that again. We're yeah. going to have a lot of games played at the same time, so that that is another thing worth noting. There's no reason not to have a one o'clock, a four o'clock, and a night game. Yeah, and, every week. And uh, like I mentioned, like Varsity Stadium's a beautiful stadium. I mean, I don't expect UFT to draw nice uh, crowds like they did uh, this past week every week. But it's a nice time going out there on Friday, Saturday night. You got nothing else doing. I mean, nice matchup in town. You like football. I mean, you know, if they made some kind of uh, connections with the high school programs in the area, getting them to come out to these games, like there's there's a lot that there's there's a lot that can be done here. I mean, yeah, I mean, they have to be doing everything they can to encourage viewership, encourage attendance and. I think in the past, the OUA has done a very poor job of that, and I think most individual schools have as well. Mm. And uh, I think more attention needs to be paid to that because the football product is better than the media product. So the more we can get people out to games, the more there are people out at games and watching games at home, and there are some people who will watch them all, not just us. Which is also why you should listen to our podcast and share it with all your friends and rate us highly on Apple Podcasts and subscribe, please. We watch all the games so you don't have to. There you go. Reward our our pain and suffering. Yeah, a lot that can be done to improve. Um, But as you touched on, obviously, Carlton um, doing a ton of travel this week and coming off the back of a game against Windsor that... I don't think we're probably the only ones that didn't expect it to be as tightly contested as it was. The final score, 38-20, really doesn't reflect what a back-and-forth matchup this really was. Yeah. No, Windsor came out firing in the first half offensively. I mean, I didn't expect them to have the passing game that they did. Sam Girard was throwing all over Carlton, and Carlton didn't really have any answers for them defensively in the early goings. Uh, they did They did answer them offensively, obviously. They, they kept it pretty close. And then, funnily enough, this game had a very similar feel to the York-Guelph game in mm. that in the second half, there was an interception and a pick six in short order. By uh, Windsor, on Windsor's part. Well, Windsor, Windsor threw, threw the interceptions, the interceptions and, yeah. and Carlton returned one for mm. six and the other. Uh, they scored a quick touchdown off of. But it's so funny that these two games both had that same thing. We're at half. Yeah. Going into half, the, the underdog had played pretty well. And the team we'd expected to win hadn't. And and then after half, obviously, yeah. uh, things shaped up a little more the way we expected. Well, the biggest – oh, sorry. Well, no, no. Well, the, like the biggest difference like after that point and I think what really solidified this game uh, and really solidified uh, Girard as I, I think being the real deal is comes off of those two picks and one being the pick six and leads his team on a drive where he – I mean, he's throwing balls into tight windows. No fear. I mean, like, can you only, I can only imagine when it's like you've just thrown two picks, you're in this competitive game, a game you might not have thought you were going to be, and, you know, you're letting your team down. But no, all that, you know, we all, as football players, you always talk about, you know, having a short memory onto the next one. No, in no um, other game this week can I think of a, a player who exemplified that better than Gerard and just going onto that next drive. And just slinging it. Well, and that's what kept the game interesting deep into the game yeah. is that Gerard did look like at any time he could lead that next drive. Because again, yeah, he did have a very short memory. Mm. That's something that did separate him, in my opinion, from Brett Hunchak, who 
after those two picks he threw, including the one pick six, he looked like he was visibly rattled. Yeah. And you can't get too high and you can't get too low as a quarterback. And that that plays into having the memory because you can get pretty low after you've thrown a couple of picks, including sure. a pick six. Yeah. So I thought, I thought, yeah, I thought Gerard did a very good job of leading his team after that, and and uh, and that game did. You know, Carlton had a touchdown with f- like five seconds left because uh, of a uh, attempt on third down to uh, to go for it by Windsor that wasn't successful. But without that, Carlton, you know that that game does look a little closer and, and in fact was a little closer. I mean, that wasn't a game that was completely out of, out of Windsor's hands until no. the very end. Yeah. And uh, another game like in, uh, like in Ottawa where weather might not have been as a factor during the game, but the game was delayed due to bad weather. And it seemed like the weather picked up uh, with some rain towards the end again. Uh, I mean, you look at Gerard's numbers, 25 for 49, like, that's that's not fantastic you know the two two touchdowns two picks but just the mentality i mean this is a team i know we were talking a bit during this game where uh we might still they might still ultimately be in that bottom tier of this league but i think i'm quoting you here they're not gonna go out easy to anyone like, no the bottom has moved up i yeah. think i don't think you're gonna see well we'll we'll see what happens when laurier and western come to town but i i don't think you're gonna see any of those mega blowout games we saw in years past. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Windsor looks to be better coached. This game, I mean, it could have gone a little bit differently if Carlton had been more disciplined in the early going. They also had an enormous number of penalties, 14 or 15. So, I mean, that that's something Carlton obviously has to work on. But I do think that the bottom tier of teams has moved up, and that bottom tier being Windsor, York, and U of T, to the point where they're, yeah, they're not, they're not jokes. If you don't come prepared... They'll get you. They're going to hang in the game with you. And and so, you know, I don't want to write any of them off. If this mm-hmm. conference proves to be dynamic at the bottom of it, that's great. That's, that's no, great. It, it, the, it more, really, the more games that are watchable, the better. It really is. Um, you know, quickly you had mentioned some mistakes on Carlton's part with the penalties. But also you look at uh, Windsor in their first half, a couple special teams penalties that, you know, maybe prevent them from putting up a few more points in that first half. There was a blocked punt. Uh on I think was was it a missed field goal where I forget who was returning it. He, That's right. He didn't get out of the end zone, and you know they give up the. Uh, not only did he not get out, he he I think he got out and went back in. Oh yeah, because he it was he gave which the, which the, caused the, the safety. safety as opposed to just a rouge, um, which is an enormous mistake. That that's a. That's that's sort of a rookie mistake. I hope it was a rookie who made it. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know I, I'm loving what Windsor's. Uh, what Windsor's doing so far, I mean, offensively, especially, and, you know, we already mentioned that they're going to York this coming week and yeah, the, the travel and the, the shortened schedule is going to be an issue, but that's going to be a telling game. I think for, you know, whether Windsor wants to at least put themselves perhaps on the fence of that second, third tier to say like, okay, maybe, you know, we can play in these games with some of those second tier teams, as we saw with Carlton here, as we saw in their Waterloo game. I mean, the Waterloo game a little more skewed than this one was. But I, I feel like they're going to go into that York game trying to maybe make a point of don't talk about us in, in the conversation with these guys. We're better than that. Yeah, no, and I, I'm sure they will. And that's that's the mindset they should bring into that game. And I'm sure that's the mindset York will bring into that game as well. But there's not a whole lot that I could see either of these teams doing to, to make me think that they're not going to be in that conversation. The, yeah. one, the one thing is, I, you know, I will say, 
Windsor has a lot of promise for future years. Absolutely. Very young offensive line, Four, second year quarterback, yeah. young receivers, young DBs, young everything. Yeah, we much. I mean we already talked about how many young offensive lines there are in this league and probably none more so than Windsor with four 18-year-olds yeah. on that offensive line. And they look good against a defensive line for Carlton that is probably, you know, if not their strength as a team, one of their strengths for sure. Um, and they, 100%, they held their own. Like, they did, they did. And it was that, impressive. And one of the the differences, uh, Carlton had a, a bit of a lineup change going into this week. It looked like they had Frederick Robitaille playing more of a regular role as a defensive end instead of a swing defensive tackle defensive end to start the game with Kenny Onyeka opposite him. But then at some point during the game, uh, we noticed Kenny Onyeka wasn't in the game. And we surmised he must be injured. Yeah. And uh, and so he didn't come back into the game, you know, even when the game was very much on the line in the second half. So we'll keep you updated on that. But that will be an injury to watch because he is their best defensive player on a very good defense. So uh, we will keep you apprised as best we can of any developments there. For sure. And, you know, obviously uh, – his health is paramount to the success of that team. And also for a guy, and we'll get into this in a little bit, um, who we're probably going to see in the CFL, if not, well, well so- sooner than later, probably. Um, so you just hope for his own sake. I mean, not to say we don't hope for anyone who gets injured in this league, they are going to make a comeback. But, you know, when a guy has a shot at making it pro, you you really want to make sure he can, you know, fulfill that opportunity yeah there's more on the line here for him in terms of a future playing mm-hmm. than, than some other guys and yeah of course you never want to see anyone get injured uh so we'll hope it's it's nothing serious didn't appear to be anything serious i did see him on the sidelines with his helmet off don't know what that means you know you can't really read a ton into that <laughs> he's he's not going to the hospital they're not putting him in a dark room great that doesn't actually eliminate all that many injuries mm. Uh, so yeah, again, we'll we'll keep you up to date on that, and uh, you know any roster developments that that we see, we'll try to keep you up to date on. I noticed Drew Desjardins for the Lancers wasn't playing, I don't think, and he's you know the, he's the veteran. a he's a very good offensive lineman. He's their best guy. So yeah, if he's not playing, that is a very young offensive line on the inside as well as on the outside. Mm. Uh, and, and young offensive lines, yeah, they're right. The name of the game in the OUA right now. A lot of teams are. Breaking in young guys, so uh, we'll see improvement pretty much everywhere in terms of offensive line play. Yeah, but a great, a great, out, a great outing for Windsor, um, in, in spite of the loss. And um, you know, as as you said, and I'll reiterate, uh, bright future for sure. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Um, so that wraps up week two in the OUA. Let's move on. Okay. So now looking ahead at week three in the OUA, let's take a look at the schedule. First off, our games of the week. Week one, we had two games. Week two, we had one game. So as it seems we keep changing up our formula here, this week we are putting up three games for our games of the week. We're going to diversify a little bit because last week just picking one did not go over well for us. No, we need to hedge our bets a little bit here. Um, Start off, Mac Western in London. You know, a classic OUA matchup, like we kind of mentioned earlier, on paper, Western looks to be the better team coming off a bye, which is coming off an overtime win at Carlton. Mac coming off a tough loss at Ottawa. Um, 
and you know it's it's they're teams that play each other tight and there's a lot of bad blood there um yeah we, hopefully it's going to be a good game you assume jackson white's probably going to start again for mac that's the assumption i'm making yeah and uh i mean not to say that that andreas duick didn't play well enough to potentially earn that starting spot if that's the change they want to make but i don't think it is i think they like jackson white a lot and i don't think he's at the end of their rope so to speak a lot of improvement has to have been made by this Western offensive line and I think the DB core in order for them to be the team that we expect them to be. And having only played one game so far and Laurier having played two, Western better pick it up or they're going to slip a little bit in our rankings to maybe behind Laurier. Maybe. I know, unbelievable that I could <laughs> do that. But uh, Western obviously has some some great units and we'll see how they match up against yeah. Mac. And Mac has shown an ability to run the ball. So we'll, that'll be really interesting to watch to see if they can run the ball in Western or not. And it's only fitting that Laurier has the bye in week three. So Western can now, you know, hypothetically catch up to them. Um, our other games we have, as we mentioned, Guelph visiting Ottawa. Two one-in-one teams here and uh, a huge test for Theo Landers because, like we said a few times, Ottawa's defensive core, defensive back core is tops in this league. Um, so a huge test for him. Well, in two weeks in a row that Ottawa's allowed quite a few rushing yards on them, they look a little better than they did against Laurier in terms of being sound in their gaps uh, and shutting down the run game to some degree, but they still did allow 170 yards to Max running back Jordan Lyons. So they obviously have a ways to go. If there's one team that should be able to run on anybody, it's, it's Guelph. Cool. Yeah. So this is a matchup that that figures to be a running game. Uh, for Guelph and then we'll see what happens if Ottawa does keep Sawyer Butner in or if they go back to Alex Laverick I think this is a Ottawa team that has quite a few good receiving weapons I mean we we know that from years past uh they didn't have the greatest throwing and catching game last game but Kalen Kalen Beaver is a guy who I think everyone should keep their eye on extremely fast hard to miss because he's he's such a blur sometimes he's He's hard to miss in that you'll 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 have to watch him. You'll notice the speed, but he is so fast, he's a blur. Yeah. Kellen Beaver uh is that guy. So Ottawa, yeah, I mean, I think they're they're gonna be in tough. It's gonna be a, a good matchup for them against Guelph. Mm-hmm. But you know, Guelph didn't look so good against York that we're saying it's an easy win. And in fact, that long road trip does prove to be very challenging. As it definitely did for Mac. And our last game of the week are the Carlton Ravens visiting the Waterloo uh Warriors. History, we are witnessing history in the making by Trey Ford and Tyler Ternowski in this offense for Waterloo. And we'll see if it carries on, which if there's no Onyeka on the field, ooh, that helps. That, that helps them, and it certainly hurts Carlton. Well, and it was Waterloo's win against Carlton last year that really announced them on the OUA stage. Obviously, you know, Waterloo beat teams you expected them to beat or they expected to beat in Windsor, Toronto, and York last year. But it was their win against Carlton that really said, hey, like we could really be in the playoffs this year. And that was their 4-0 start that, unfortunately for them, ended 4-4. and mm. But this was, this was a really big win for them. And I think an embarrassing loss for Carlton. So I expect them to be fiery for this game. But they are facing adversity with their travel schedule. So... No telling as to what we're going to see from Carlton. I expect it to be a great game, though, either way. Yeah, if, I mean, if if Waterloo takes this one, I, I'm kind of expecting maybe an even spicier rant on OUA scheduling from uh, 
from Mr. Eddie Meredith here if that happens. But I mean, not to say that that would only happen on account of the travel schedule because Waterloo... Waterloo beat them last year in their own house. Exactly. Um, so those are our games of the week going through the whole week schedule. Once again, we have Friday night uh, here in Toronto, Windsor visiting York. A game that, honestly, based on just the level of play from both these teams, uh, could be a really good competitive game. Uh, as we kind of mentioned, both these, these teams probably looking to you know make a mark and separate each other from one another but that might just be the formula for a really good game if both teams have that mentality you know it might end up being a really good game we'll see what happens yeah um so that's on the friday night then as we mentioned we're getting a lot of the what o'clock starts again on the saturday uh as we mentioned one of our games of the, our two games of the week or two of our three games of the week guelph ottawa uh carlton waterloo then we have uh toronto visiting queens which I'm not expecting a whole lot from. I think it'll no. be a good bounce back game for Queens. And but again, like yeah. Ottawa, like Toronto, Toronto's not a joke. No. And that's the thing about the Waterloo offense is they're going to stress you in ways that no one else will. And I think they're they, like Queens certainly isn't going to stress them in that way because mm. Nate Hobbs can run, but he's not uh, he's not Trey Ford. No, so, nor is he Clay Sakura, and he's a lot of fun to watch if you missed that last game. Correct. And I think, you know, Queens, like, we should be expecting them to look a little rusty in the beginning of the year because, you know, we spoke about having a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator. They also had to replace 11 of 12 starters on defense. Yeah, that'll get so you. So that, that will that'll have an effect. But and, that could uh, also be the formula for, you know, Toronto, like we said, Toronto being another team that's looking like they're going to hang their hat on the passing game. Who knows? This will be interesting. It's It's in Queens, though. So well, didn't didn't prove to add a whole bunch of home field advantage against Laurier, did that it? That is true. And then the week wraps up, as we mentioned, with Mac visiting Western. That's a four o'clock start. So no matter what you do, there won't be anything disrupting your viewing of that one. Um, so another great week. And of course, um, by process of elimination, that leaves Laurier with the bye week. But a- another great week. Um, I think we expect to see in the OUA. Uh, a few more people who we wanted to make mention, you know, and did throughout the course of our game recaps, but just want to give another extra bit of shout out to the Guelph offensive line for the Guelph game. Fear the herd, baby. Yeah, they were they were fantastic. They were the all star of that game, and yeah, the OUA is not going to give it to a whole no. offensive line, so we will. Yeah, <laughs> keep on uh, chugging. In the York game, I don't know if there was any one person who deserves an enormous shout out, Luther. Hakuna Vanthu had the big reception. Sorry, Luther, if I butchered your last name. I apologize. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, there's a guy who I think people should train their eyes to watch, and that's Nikola Kalinic. I mean, he's a big H fullback type guy who I think, you know, is their, is their best special teams guy and also is expected to be a big CFL prospect because he's big, fast, can run. Uh, someone, someone to watch. H-back for them, blocking and catching passes out of the backfield. Uh, in the Carlton game, you know, I thought Nigel Goodridge had a really good game. He, on the first interception, sorry, on the interception that Carlton had in the second half from Windsor, Aruda threw a pass to Nigel Goodridge that Nigel just went up and over oh, the receiver touchdown. to get. Yeah, yeah, that was like straight mossed him. Yeah, he that mossed was beautiful, him. and that was that was awesome. He also had a circus catch yeah. at oh, midfield. Yeah, no, oh yeah, totally forgot about him in that game. That was beautiful. Yeah, so him uh, and. Uh, I mean, Phil Loki every game, has a whole bunch of yards. So, yeah, he's obviously a receiver to watch for Carlton. 
And but, all, but neither of those are sort of player of the week caliber guys. They were just sort of players of the game. Yeah. Nathan Carter had a couple of nice runs too. Like he's a fun back to watch. He um, really is. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely can't uh, forget about him. Um, and for Windsor, I mean, it's it, it looks like they're riding Sam uh, Girard offensively until the wheels come off. And so far, yeah, he offensively, keeps offensively, Sam Girard looked really good. I mean, yeah. that, that was their whole offense, and it looked pretty good. Honestly, their running backs look pretty good too. Uh, Gaynor and Kentner, they they both are good backs. They just it's a very young offensive line. That was a very good defensive front. They were never gonna have good games, but they're like they're not someone to forget about. They're no. good players. Marvin Gaynor, another MTW uh, alumnus. So bringing it back, bringing bring it, it back, back every time. Rawr. And then on defense, oh that was brutal. <laughs> I hope we cut that out for your sake. On defense, Matt Gayer for Windsor had, I mean he had like. 8, 10 tackles, something like that. But yeah. he was all over the place. He was a guy who's played Sam for them. Now he was playing safety. Forced a fumble They can the move game. him all over the field. Yeah, forced a fumble. He's, he's a great player and, mm. and very disruptive. Caused a lot of disruption to Carlton, who I thought would, you know, I mean, they, they were obviously going to be successful running the ball to some degree, but less so because of him. And that defensive line, I have to say, uh, I thought Courtney Ellis was really good. Very quick off the ball. There were a couple plays where they didn't block him and, you know, as you can see, Windsor had a whole bunch of tackles for losses. Mm. So uh, that was that was something worth yeah. mentioning too. Uh, Laurier Queens on the Laurier side. I mean, there's a number of guys we could hand it to, but I think a guy we didn't even mention in this game because there were so many guys to talk about offensively is Lavondre Gordon, who for the second week in a row had over 100 yards in the first half alone, finished with 120 on the day, didn't punch one in the end zone. But I mean, he's we talked about how well rounded that offense is. From a run game perspective, starts with him. And they have some good backups as well, but he's their horse. East-West guy, maybe a guy we're going to see get picked up in the dra- or drafted, maybe not stick, but um, yeah, huge game for him. Expect Don't expect him to slow down anytime soon. I agree. Their they're big three, you know, quarterback, receiver, running back combo is, is as good as it gets. Yeah. So uh, that was outstanding. On the queen side of the ball. Uh, Crickets. We're waiting. Crickets. <laughs> crickets brutal uh very very tough game for them offensively yeah. so we're not gonna like we're not giving up participation trophies here folks i mean <laughs> that's that's all that's all they would have earned so mm-hmm. uh yes cam lawson queen's queen's z tackle was impressive he i don't know if he factored on the stat sheet in any way that's worth mentioning but if you're watching if you want to watch something on queen's d that's that's a that's fun to watch if not maybe exciting He's a very solid tackle. He's worth watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that every game? Do we? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like it sort of is unnecessary to cover it again for Waterloo. Yeah. You know who we're going to mention. Trey Ford, Tyler Ternowski, obviously. Tyler Ternowski. That's such a obscure reference. Who our age doesn't know Monsters, Inc., though? I mean, me. Like, I watched it once, but I don't know. I can't quote it. Uh... Okay. You're you're one of one, my friend. Well, at least I got KGJ. That one will hopefully stick. Sure, sure. <laughs> <Just an> abbreviated names. <laughs> that's, that's oh, whoop de doo. You abbreviated the name. Oh, look at this guy over here. The intellectual capital on display here, folks. That's your uh that's a Guelph Arts degree for you, buddy. That's that's what it gets <laughs> uh, Yeah, that's so I think that's a pretty good wrap up of uh Yeah, I'd say that just about does it. And yeah. uh and lastly, we want to take a look around the uh, U-sports in terms of the standings and uh, some of the other teams around the league. They, they recently put out the um, the top 
uh, CFL prospects for the year. Um, four guys from the OUA featured on it. Um, I believe in this order of uh, Gittens, Harry, um, Robbie Smith, Smith and, and Fraser Selbeck. Yeah. Um, There's really no surprise that Curly Giddens is in the discussion yeah. to be the first OUA player drafted. I think he's a first-round talent. I think he's going to be – he's going to make a team extremely happy. And uh, Jamie Harry, I mean, you know, whether he plays corner or safety at the next level, you know, safety is a very Canadian position. He'll he'll definitely factor into the mm-hmm. draft next year. Yeah. Fraser Selvig, I've said, is my favorite to win the President's Trophy. He'll be competing with Jamie mm-hmm. Harry out of this conference for sure. Before we sign off, uh, let's take a look around the league, uh, see what's happening in some of the other conferences. So in the RCQ, Sherbrooke headed to McGill, and uh, they dropped that game. McGill won the game 19-8. to uh, The AUS played a crossover with Bishops, and St. Mary's came out on top 42-19. to Concordia took on Laval, and that, that was not pretty. That was 47-9 to for Laval. You probably could have guessed who took that one home. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe the margin of victory was was bigger than expected because Laval and in Laval's first game it was it was a a much closer affair. Mm-hmm. Or was that their first game? No. It no, is, they're two and zero right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Manitoba uh, headed to uh, UBC and they dropped that game. UBC won thirty to twenty. Well, Connor's another guy that's on that list of the top. Uh, and they have a prospects. very good team. Like, it's a very yeah. deep team overall. I mean, yeah. we're gonna, not going to spend any time getting into them because we can't really watch the games and yeah. and give you commentary on what's going on out there. If it's not OUA, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Not for the not for this podcast, <laughs> at least. And I mean, we will, you know, obviously we'll we'll comment on the games a little bit here and there. Yeah, but uh, we're not going to go into any depth on those games. Mostly because we don't know all that much about those games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is there is one MTW guy on UBC who I'm surprised you haven't commented oh, on. Oh, my goodness. How am I forgetting? Luke Bavin? No? Is it not Luke? No. Oh, is Luke Bavin not there anymore? <laughs> no, he was, but he's not there. Oh, my It's Travel Pinto. Oh, snap. Oh, my God. Pinto's amazing. Holy... Man, I remember because he went to Downsview, so the... He, Year after I left high school, he was still playing. And I remember my school was playing him, and he just ran all over them. Oh, my God. Travel's a monster. I wish you could have seen Zach's face when he reacted to that <laughs> name. It was it was like a kid opening a really good pres- present on Christmas or Hanukkah or, Hanukkah or whatever it happens to be. Okay, yeah, Pinto for sure. That's dope. All right, nice. UBC. Let's go birds or whatever kind of birds they are. Thunderbirds. Thunder- Ooh, that's nice. That's a nice car, too, actually. Yeah, I think so. I don't really know cars. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but then also, um, we, uh, let's not leave before we take a look at the top 10 U Sports rankings right now. Uh, Western's still sitting pretty at number one, which I'm going to go ahead and say probably has more to do with uh, respecting them as the Vanier Cup champs because you got Laval at two, Montreal at three, Laurier at four. And like you know, we mentioned, we don't really know what's going on in the other conferences other than a little scoreboard watching. But man... From what we've seen so far, they're a team that could could be climbing up that ladder. Yeah, um, they look like the real deal. Yeah. I mean, again, as I said before, if I didn't know any better, I would think they were the best team in the conference. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but you, yeah. But you do. They do. Um, Calgary slotting at number five. 
followed by UBC Carlton. The Ravens making their way onto the list. You know, put up a competitive game against Western Week 1 and take the game in Windsor. I guess that's a formula to uh, rank in at, uh, let me do quick math because I forgot what I just said they were at. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven on the top ten. Oh, uh, well, okay. Followed uh, suit by Guelph at eight, uh, where they were last week as well. Okay, yeah. Uh, These rankings mean nothing. Yeah. I mean, we, we know that. Like I mean, The difference between one and eight at this point is, you know, anyone's guess. And, yeah. And, and, you know, without knowing exactly how good Laval is compared to anyone from the OUA, that also doesn't matter. Laval could be better in Western this year. That could be better than everyone else in the country this year, as they are many years. As they are. You know, we'll have to wait and see. It means nothing. It's it's early in the season, um, even though we are a quarter of the way through the OUA schedule, as well as that sounds. It's a short season. It really is. Um, And then rounding off the top 10, uh, two more unranked teams from the first week, uh, Ottawa slotting at number nine and uh, Sask. Coming in at number 10 there. So uh, that's your top 10 across the country. Um, yeah, I, I think that just about wraps it up for week two. That's all we got for you. Yeah. Hope. Haven't we talked enough? Isn't uh, that enough for you? I hope so. Because um, I got nothing left in the tank here. We're sitting here in a very hot room and I am drenched. Yeah, that's practically a sauna. <laughs> yeah, so once again, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, at the 55 podcast, as Eddie puts on his very cool shades in this very dark room hate blockers <laughs> on facebook at the 55 i hope we don't get that much hate are we getting hate do people hate us uh you know what if people hate us at least they're listening i, I, yeah, I don't think we're there yet we're, i don't think yeah, we've I been bold we, enough. we need to get listeners to be hated first i don't think we're bold enough to be hated um soundcloud but i might stop saying we're on soundcloud because you know where you got to come get us at this point apple podcasts you know the name and yeah that wraps it up for us this week anything else eddie that's it man that's all we got for you so we'll see you next week At the 55.